looking at Pentecost for quite a number of weeks. And we're going to begin to look at the Feast of Tabernacles. So we're going to probably call this an introduction to some degree. And some of the things that are that's presented tonight, we'll probably look at again or in more depth in the coming uh, sharings. But in the Feast of the Lord, there are three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And if you go out and do any searches on the internet for what people think about the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, you'll find out that most people believe it's something that's far away in the future. That, in fact, you'll read some things that uh, kind of blow your mind. Uh, you, you know, I, uh, there are there are brothers in the Lord, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that don't believe the feast or the Day of Atonement has happened. They're looking for the Day of Atonement, and and I question in my in my mind: Have they read the Book of Hebrews? That's really what I question in my mind. Have you even read the Book of Hebrews when you? are going along those ways because you're dismissing that book. But as we get into the Feast of, of Tabernacles, we're, we're probably going to spend some time in the Day of Atonement. And to me, when you look at the Feast of Trumpets, that's begin to blow, the sound that begins to blow, it's an announcement. And it's announcing the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement, to me, is the culmination of all the feasts. So everything that God has done up to that point is culminated in the Atonement of Christ. And one thing I want to point out in the Day of Atonement, or on the Day of Atonement, I, I had uh, a few years ago really looked at the high priest in some detail. And I had taught in my past, you know, thinking that the high priest was going into the Holy of Holies wearing the breastplate on the Day of Atonement. That's what I had in my mind. And I'd heard ministers talk about, and I probably said it myself, that he had, you, you know, the rope around his leg and, and they were listening to the bells jingle on the robe to see if he was alive or not. Well, guess what? He didn't have that garment on at all. So if you study real close, when the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies, he just has on a white linen garment. So he takes off all of his high priest attire and puts on a white linen garment and proceeds into the Holy of Holies. And what come before me, and like I said, I'm using this as an introduction. What come before me was where Mary went to touch Jesus after he was raised from the dead. And Jesus told Mary to touch me not for I have not yet ascended. Because when he went into that Holy of Holies, 
I believe it represents him ascending back into the glory that he was before the world was. I believe that's, you know, you, you find him on the Mount of Transfiguration in brilliant light, in brilliant white. And here he goes into the Holy of Holies and representing, or the high priest does, representing Christ ascending and being accepted of the Father back into the glory that he was before the world was. All right. I'll just leave that there for you to ponder on. But tonight I want you to look at with me Exodus 23 and 16. Exodus 23 and 16. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which them has sown in thy field in the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou has gathered in thy labors out of the field. So this last feast is the gathering up of the fruit into the barn, barn, so to speak. So they're gathering up their labors from the from the feast or from the field, excuse me, during the Feast of Tabernacles. So it's an in-gathering. Leviticus 23:39. Leviticus 23:39 says, I'll let you get there. On the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the produce of the land, you are to celebrate a feast to the Lord for seven days. There shall be complete rest on the first day and also on the eighth day. So there's a gathering of the produce of the land when it's gathered up this is the feast of tabernacles and also on the feast of tabernacles the children of israel would go and dwell in booths but tonight i want you to focus on the ingathering of the produce in John 12, 20, it says, John, St. John 12, 20, now there were some Greeks among those who were going to worship at the feast. John 12, 20. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, of Galilee and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. 
So the only way you're going to see who he is is for him to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground or the earth and dies, this translation says, it remains alone. But if it die, it bears much fruit. See, here's the end gathering. Much fruit. Fruit of the seed. This is what's gathered up. Gathered up in you and I is the fruit of the seed of God that God planted in the earth, who is Christ. To me, this is what tabernacles represents. Of course, God dwelling in us. But it's not just a realization that he's in us. It's a forming of the nature of him in us. It's the fruit of the seed. Of course, Jesus goes on and says, he who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am there, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, go to John 15. John 15. Verse 16, Jesus says to his disciples here, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, that you shall go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit may remain. Brother Jimmy said something about this fruit remaining a few meetings ago. And that really stirred something in my heart. It was a real stirring of the Lord in me. God desires that his fruit remain in you. See, the Lord was dealing with me yesterday, I believe it was, or day before, but I believe it was yesterday. And as I make this statement or these statements, I believe in experiences with God. I've had many experiences with God, and I believe in them. But God was dealing with me about remaining, about a remaining I, I know many of you know this, if not all of you have had a reality of God in your heart, and you've desired to keep it, to stay in the reality of Christ that has become real to you. I know that, or at least I believe that. I've had that many times where the Lord has made, made himself so real in me. And I just want to stay there. 
just want to stay in this reality. Honey, I believe this is what tabernacles is, is the staying. And it's an ongoing work of God. See, see, we want to look at these feasts kind of like the old covenant that we arrive at Passover, then we arrive at, at Pentecost, and then we arrive at tabernacles. And all of these feasts are actually realized in the person of Jesus Christ. And as dimensions, dimensions probably not the right word, but characteristics of him are made real in us. Those characteristics of Christ that are made real in us are to remain. Okay? So righteousness, for example. We look at the word righteousness. Well, the righteousness of Christ is our righteousness. But, and I know this from my own walk with the Lord, many times, although I've read the Bible, and the Bible tells me that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, Many times in my life, I haven't felt real righteous. Just, just being honest with you. But Paul says we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, see, there's an attaining of that of Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul, in a lot of his letters was dealing with was the attaining of that that's in Christ. And that, I believe, folks, is the ingathering of the Lord or the Feast of Tabernacles is when that of God is gathered up in you and it remains. Doesn't go away, but it remains like the peace of God, when it remains in your soul. And then the fruit of that can be shared one with another and with those outside of Christ. Amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews, we're going to read some places in Hebrews, and then we're going to go, if you were with me this morning, we're going to go into Ephesians at the end of this. But Hebrews 6, 12 says, So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we're inheriting something of God. There's an inheritance. Jesus has purchased something for us. Okay? Verse 19, Hebrews 6. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope 
both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So he's entered into the veil. That's where, like I started off tonight, there are people saying, well, the day of atonement hasn't come. Well, then Jesus didn't enter into the veil. <laughs> then you can't receive your inheritance till the priest does that, if that's true. Where well, our high priest has went into the veil, he's paid the price, and he's entered in to buy eternal redemption for us that we can live and dwell in the presence of God. Amen. So Hebrews 7, verse 2, says, Hebrews 7, verse 2, to whom also Abraham apportioned, apportioned a tenth part of his spoil, was first of all by translation of his name, King of Righteousness, and then also King of Salem, which means King of Peace. And I wrote a note here in my notes, we inherit these. So in Christ Jesus, our inheritance is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what we're possessing. That's, honey, we're possessing that that's of him. That's the fruit that's to remain. That that's of him that's sown in the ground, that produces death in the ground, that his life can spring up. Hallelujah. Verse 11, Hebrews 7 says, Now if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. For the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no one has officiated at the altar. See, see Jesus has an unchangeable priesthood because he doesn't die. So what he's ministering is not like the Levitical priest was ministering because he, had, he has an indestructible life. He's everlasting, eternal. So, so what he's ministering in his body is eternal. It's an eternal weight of glory. Glory to God. Hebrews 9. This is, I believe, what's called the Holman translation, but I like how it read, so I copied it. Hebrews 9, 11. But the Messiah has appeared, high priest, of the good things that have come, have come, in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered the most holy place once for all, 
not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. So he obtained eternal redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a young cow sprinkle those who are defiled, sanctified, sanctifying for the, for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Cleanse our conscience. Not a sanctification of the flesh, but a cleansing of the conscience of the soul, of your awareness. So you become aware of what he's done. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. There's an awareness of his work that comes into the soul, into the mind, to serve the living God. Glory to God. So what we have in Christ is an inheritance that's indestructible, incorruptible, that doesn't fade away. What we have in Christ is what Jesus himself inherited. And this is what I keep seeing in my heart with the high priest that he entered the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood. And there that Holy of Holies had, of course, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the mercy seat and the two cherubim of glory overshadowing that seat. What those two cherubim were doing, they were looking at the appearing of the Lord because that's where the Lord appears. And the writer, I believe in Exodus, said they were one beaten work of gold because they are transformed or beaten. That's what they're typifying out of the appearing of the Lord. So Jesus carries us, so to speak, as the high priest in there with himself as one with him to see the glory of the Lord. And that's our inheritance. The divine nature of God. That our fruit may remain. See, see and, I, and like I said, these are ongoing feasts of the Lord. The, the Passover lamb is never done away because that is Christ himself. The Pentecost is never done away because that's the coming of the Lord himself. The tabernacles are never done away because that's the fullness of the Lord himself. And we are ever learning his fullness as he's revealed in us. But experiencing what we call tabernacles is, I believe, what I'm seeing 
by the Spirit of the Lord is that of God remaining in us. It's not just that we say, well, God's in us, but it's the fruit of the harvest remaining. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It's his fruit dwelling in me and you. So peace is not something I work up. It abides. It's in us. It's here to stay. Because there's a measure of him that's been made real in us. And it's now part of our being. We're one with it. See, we, we say we're one with the Lord. Don't we? We confess that. We declare we're one with the Lord. Well, the Lord is full of peace. So if his if I'm one with him and his peace is made real in me, it abides. It abides. It stays. It's continual. It's not going away. And see, I, I was saying this earlier about, we're going to read Ephesians 1 here in a minute and probably be done, but a couple comments. Uh, I said this earlier about experiences with God. I've had great experiences of God, and I hope to have many more. But what the Lord was dealing with me about was abiding was coming to a place of abiding. He's been dealing with me there for quite some time, to be truthful, of abiding. Insomuch that I've been asking the Lord that in the meetings, you know, the gatherings, whether they're Zoom or they're live, that they be a feast of him, a feast of his divine presence, that when we come together, we... We lose the, the reality that it's just you and I just meeting, but it's coming together in an awareness of God and what he's done in Christ and the awareness of that becoming real in our hearts. See, in Ephesians chapter 1, I love the how the English Standard Version reads in Ephesians chapter 1, verse Uh, I'll start at verse 3, but I really want down toward 13 and 14. But blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with ever spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we're blessed with all the spiritual blessings of Christ, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So he chose us to be holy and blameless before him in love. And this is another question. Do you feel holy and blameless? Well, that's what he chose you for. These are the spiritual blessings. When it says he's blessed you with spiritual blessings 
and then he chose you to be holy and blameless, that's spiritual blessings, that you're holy and blameless in Christ. He predestinated us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This is what his glorious grace has done, has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Right here it is. We have obtained an inheritance. Just hold on to that thought. He's blessed us with every, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That's your inheritance. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. having been predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. So the guarantee... Who guarantees our inheritance is the promised Holy Spirit. The inheritance is the fullness of God in Christ. That's what we're inheriting. So our inheritance is in Christ. It's this that's in Christ. This that he secured in what Paul, Paul the writer Hebrews, said when he went into the veil. He secured it. He secured that we would behold his glory. That's what he declared, that they may behold my glory. John 17, that was his high priestly prayer before he entered into death, burial, and resurrection and ascended back unto the Father. He had prayed that they may behold my glory. And that glory is the glory of God. Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory that I have with thee before the world was. So now in that glory is the redemption of the purchased possession, which is you and I. And what he purchased for us is that we would inherit all things in Christ. So just as he is holy and undefiled, we are holy and undefiled. That's our inheritance. But it's not just that we read it in the book. It, it's obtained. See, that's what, the, that's what the tabernacles is, is the obtaining of what he's done in you and I, that it remains. That it remains. And see, this is what our souls are hungry for, because we've had God bless us over and over again. 
Many of us have had the peace of God in our hearts just, just become alive and real in us. And some of us have, to a, to a measure, experienced it remaining. It's not going away. Because it's part of your being. That's what he said, that you may be one as we are one. Jesus' being was full of peace. Peace wasn't just coming out from God to him. He was living in peace. He was peace. You, you hear me? He was peace. He brought peace into everything he come into because he was peace. And when he cried out that they may be one, he was saying, Father, that what I am may be revealed in them. That's our inheritance. That's what we're obtaining. That's what Paul was talking about when he, when he said in one place, in, he writes in Colossians, we're complete in Christ. It's all, you know, in Colossians, it's all been done. You are complete in him. But then you flip over to Philippians, and he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus bought the whole thing for us. Because it's himself. He's brought us into himself that what he is, not just be seen in us, but remain in us. And that's what happens. We begin to see him by the Spirit of God. We begin to see him until what he is, is in us. First John 1, I read it this morning. Behold what manner of love that God has bestowed upon us that we would be called the children of God. But it does not yet appear what we shall be like. But when he appears, see, see, this is the Holy of Holies. This is, the, this is what was going on in the Holy of Holies, is the appearing of the Lord. When he shall appear, we shall be made one with him. We shall see him as he is. This is what Paul is declaring in the book of 2 Corinthians 3, being changed from glory to glory into the same image by the Spirit of the Lord. We are changed by his appearing in you. Not his external appearing, but his internal appearing. And this is what our hearts have to be set toward, is the appearing of the Lord in us. Honey, this go go read the book of Chronicles when Solomon built the temple. It just so happened that when it got finished, it got finished at the Feast of Tabernacles. Do you think that's coincidental? And when everything went on there with King Solomon, he's he's placed as in type and shadow king of kings and lord of lords. That's what Solomon is in type and shadow there is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Type and shadow. 
And so when he's there in the Feast of Tabernacle and they bring in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they begin to blow the trumpets and everything there. And in the book, it's written in the book of Second Chronicles, the cloud of God, the glory of God comes in there and fills it up in so much that the priests can't even go in there and minister. They're filled with the fullness. It's speaking of being filled with the fullness of the glory of the Lord, and it happens at tabernacles. So God doesn't, tabernacles just isn't the reality that God is in me. It's the divine person of God being made one with us. being transformed into the same image, remaining. That's why they gathered the fruit from the field into the house so it would remain. It would abide. And that, that's what God is doing in this feast. He's gathering up that of Christ in you and I that it abide. Well, that's what I believe the Lord is saying to me. So I can only put put forth what I believe the Lord to say to me. So I'm going to open it up for comments. I'm done tonight and we'll get back into this Lord willing Tuesday night. But here's the introduction of tabernacles. And I'll start with Sister Peggy. If you can unmute yourself, Sister Peggy. 